I'm excited. And uh, one of the things that I want you to, uh, to always come back to is this is like kind of a bit of my like, this is who we are as a church, is that Sunday is not game day. Sunday is what? Practice. Talking about practice. It's, it's powerful. Here, here's a quote that I, I found. It says, what you practice is what you'll do. Um, from Benny, that last name. Uh, I, don't, I didn't know who he was. I liked his quote, so I did a little research on who he is. He is a, a kickboxer, world champion kickboxer uh, from the like, 80s, I think. But, uh, really, but the quote's great, right? What you practice is what you'll do. So we want to practice and, and get into the Word of God. We, we are in a series called The Bridge to the Abnormal. And uh, we've been walking through this. And I'm not, I, because I shared with you the two first things that I, I just shared with you about uh, all that's been happening with our church, I, I, I don't have enough time to do background or foundational. Uh, watch the last seven or last six services. Uh, you can watch the first 10 minutes and get the foundation. But we've been walking through the uh, book of 1 Corinthians. Um, and this is where the theme is that Paul's writing to the church and he says to them and he reminds them, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. To you who have been called by God by his own, to be his own holy people. We are supposed to be abnormal. We're set apart. We're supposed to be unique. And he calls us to this position of being unique. Now, it's, it's, uh, I, I, uh, I pulled an audible this morning. Um, <laughs> my, my, I came in. I, told, I walked into the Dream Team room and the team's getting set up. And I walked in. I go, hey, guys, I'm pulling an audible. And they're like, you always pull audibles. <laughs> so, but the, this morning's audible is, is even more extreme. Uh, as you came in, you probably saw the baptismal tank. Uh, and he, we weren't planning on doing baptisms this morning. Uh, but the reason why, you'll see in a minute, why I, I just felt about, about, I mean, literally, it was this morning. I'm like, let's do baptisms. And here is why. Uh, when you walk through the book of Acts, uh, you, you see these, uh, these uh, situations where, well, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, uh, they, uh, Jesus has ascended, uh, there's a, Peter begins to preach, and the people respond to his preaching, and it says that 3,000 people responded to him, and then in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 40, it says, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added about that day 3,000 souls. Now, here's what I, I, I got to think about this, when they woke up that morning, 3,000 people went to the temple to worship the God that they knew. They were then confronted by a realization and understanding of the God that they were following and understood that Jesus was that Messiah and that his Holy Spirit was available to them. And in that moment, they decided to follow him. And immediately, they followed it up by, fo by following the commandment of Jesus to be baptized. It wasn't that they planned up, they got up in the morning and go, today's the day I'm going to get baptized, I'm going to put on the right skivvies, and I'm going to put on the right dress, <laughs> and I'm going to get ready to show up so that I can get baptized. No, they, they just, they woke up, they showed up, they experienced Jesus, and they got baptized. Just like, and that's the way it happens all throughout scripture. You go, you keep going, uh, Acts chapter, if you go to Acts chapter uh, 8, you have uh, <laughs> this really cool story. There's this uh, magician, his name is uh, Simon. And he's, 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 he's the David Blaine of their time, okay? He wakes up that morning. He, uh, he no, nobody? Come on. You got to give me a relative laugh. Like, he's, okay. So David Blaine is coming. Uh, he, he shows up. He comes to the, uh, the, the mess. Here's the message of Jesus Christ. He experiences him. And it says in, uh, that in verse 13 of chapter 8, it says, Even Simon himself believed. 
and being baptized, he continued with Philip. So David Blaine woke up that morning. He got up. He says, hey, I'm going to take some balloons. I'm going to fly over the city of New York. But instead, he experiences Jesus Christ. He goes and gets baptized because of his, this moment. He didn't wake up thinking, I'm going to get baptized. So you can walk through the book of Acts. There's a businesswoman named Lydia. Lydia hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she immediately responds by following in baptism. Uh, over and over and over again, there's these situations where they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they respond to the message, and are baptized. So I'm going to speak to you this morning. At the end of this, I'm going to give you two opportunities. One of them is going to be the opportunity to take the step of following Jesus Christ. And the second one is going to be, hey, at the end of this service, while we respond in worship, if you would like to take the step of baptism and you feel like God is calling you to that first commandment that he calls all followers of Jesus Christ to follow in. Now, baptism is not salvation. It is a response to salvation, his commandment. I'm going to have you t- go out that, ba- that door right there. Our host team's got everything for you. You didn't come prepared, but we're prepared. We have the, the black shorts, black shirts. Uh, when you get done, we've got hair dryers. We've got hairdressers in here. They, they're going to set up and get your, after you get done, you'll do your hair after. They're not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> it would be really cool if they would, though, wouldn't it? Like, like, we might get more people getting baptized. We've got to go from baptism, hair did, and uh, then I'm going to get my nails done. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> it ain't happening that way. Uh, <laughs> but, we're, uh, but we do, we have everything. We do have uh, blow dryers. We have everything that you possibly need to take the step. We have it. We're ready. Uh, we've got the, the tanks ready. Uh, the, yeah, inflatable tank. Brand new one. It's, it's got the heat going, 100 degrees. It's every, it filters, all of that. Okay? So we're going to get to that in just a minute. But I, I, here's where we are. I want you to know where we're going. Uh, so we've been looking at the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. Here's what it looks like. Uh, if you were to go to Corinth today, it looks like this. It's just a bunch of ruins. It's amazing, though, if you go to any of these uh, ruins and you see what they did with no machinery. It's amazing. But it looked like this when Paul walked in. The place was beautiful, gorgeous. The Roman cities were amazing. And, and th- there have been about 300,000 people who were living, 300 to 400,000 people living in the city. The, uh, the theater that you see there, uh, see right here, that was whoop, right there, sat uh, about 18,000. Then right here is the Odium. That was a smaller theater that sat about 3,000. Uh, I mean, it, was, it, was, it had shopping. It had outlet malls. It was, I mean, it was unbelievable what they had here. Uh, they, they found, I think, 21 wine shops. That, <laughs> this, these people knew how to have fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, so this is what, is what he's walking into. And, and so we've been walking through uh, what Paul is calling them to. So he calls them out and says, hey, guys, you are supposed to be unique. You're a holy people. You're supposed to be abnormal. And then he walks through in chapter 3 and 4 and gives them four things that will set them apart and make them abnormal. And we've walked through those, and I'm not going to walk each one of those, but let me jump into the fourth one. And here we go in uh, chapter uh, chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. Uh Uh-oh, you guys already have, i got to erase all that. You guys can't get the heads up on all this stuff. Come on. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. It's not letting me do anything. Come on, discard. Sorry. Here we go. Oh, you know what this means. Jesus is, Jesus is going to do something awesome in this service. 
It's whenever the technology goes, that's when it's just going to be just amazing. We good? Looky here. Here we go. You guys ready? You think you already have everything you, everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. <laughs> he, he says, I wish you were really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Okay, Paul's being incredibly sarcastic right here. Okay, this is where you got to hear this from Paul's. Let me read it the way Paul was writing it. You think you already have everything you need? You think you're already rich? You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you were really reigning, uh, were, uh, reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you, right? Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. So here, here we go. Paul's given us some context. He ends that, that, that little description. He says, I feel like we're on parade and what you have to know is that when a Roman uh, army would go in and conquer another and win a battle, they would take the spoils of war and they would march them through the city. That they, uh, in this case, they, if the, they would won near Corinth, they would have come to Corinth. They would have displayed all the things that they had won as, a, as the plunders of war. And then at the end of it, they would have all the prisoners of war would have been brought in. They would have had this parade through the city, and it would have ended at the theater. And in the theater, they would have brought the prisoners of war and had them fight each other to the death till every one of them was dead. And Paul is giving this example of who he is. I feel like I'm an apostle walking into all this, but you guys, you think you have it already figured out. Let me, uh, I got a little illustration for you. I've used this illustration before. Let's see if it so if you can imagine with me, this rope going on for eternity just keeps going, right? Out the door, around the, out through city, New Philly, keeps going out through Carrollton, keeps going, right? So it goes on and on. And he says, hey, guys, this part of your life is your life on earth. Here it is. This is your time on earth. You are 80 100 years, and then this is eternity. He says, you guys think you already have it figured out in this part. You think you have everything that you need in this part. You think you already have all the riches right here. You guys, in fact, think you're reigning as kings right here. I'm the king of my castle. Right? This is where you, you focus. And this is so true. We, this is what we, we naturally do is we focus our lives on this. In fact, it, you don't even get, like if, let's say, let's do 80 years. It's not even 80 years that we focus on. We focus really on like 35 years right there. And we think if we prepare real hard, go to college, get the right degree, and then work really hard for that amount of time, then we can retire and then when we retire, we got this last part of this red little area that we will be free. I don't have to go to work. I mean, I can't move because my hips are out. Uh, but I can go travel the world, right? <laughs> One step at a time, I'm going to get there. 
<laughs> if I just get to this moment, I'll be rich. I'll have everything I need. I'll get, be in the spot where I can rule my own life. I'll just get there one day. We spend all that, all that energy in this little part, hoping that this end part will be what we what, what is it's that moment where we have everything we need, we're rich, and we reign as kings. And, and Paul's calling them out, saying, guys, you're all focused right here, and you think you've got everything you need in this moment, but I want you to understand as, a, as an apostle, I think God puts us on display. He continues on. He says, our dedication, right here, this is where, this word right here is where we're going to talk about today. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. We are so dedicated to Jesus Christ that it is foolish to everybody else. We look like we're crazy how dedicated. We're a bunch of Jesus freaks. That's what they say with a typical tattoo. Anyways, um, no DC talk, people? No? But you claim to be so wise in Christ. And again, he's being sarcastic here. We're weak, but you're so powerful. You, you are honored, but we're ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty. We don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently to the, when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. He's saying in this moment... What we're living here, it's, it's tough. It's much, we're treated rough. In, in this life, it has been very difficult. And up to this moment, we sacrifice, we sacrifice, and we sacrifice. And then he goes to the end of the uh, First Corinthians, of chapter 4. He says, but you have to understand, the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. But it is living by the God's power. He says, I got a contrast for you guys. You guys are focused on living here and you think you've got everything figured out. But I want, need you to understand that living here is not just about a bunch of talk. It's not about just looking good. It's not about having the right Instagram feed with the right filter. It isn't about having all these things laid out for you and you think you've got it all figured out. But there's something different that you need to understand. Now, I've been talking about this for a while, that the first Corinthians is this book, and Paul takes the first part of it to lay out the foundation, and, but he's responding to a letter, okay, that he's received, and some information that he's got, and he's directly responding to those situations, and in chapter 5, he begins to respond to those specific things going on in Corinth. Now, what's important is you, that you understand if you study the rest of this book, and I encourage you, read the rest of 1 Corinthians because Paul is addressing some important things. He talks about sexual immorality. He goes into talking about how, how you treat fellow followers of Christ and lawsuits. He gets into marriage. <laughs> He's like, hey, guys, I hope none of you get married because <laughs> it's not worth it. But if you do, if you can't keep your pants on, get married. Now, that's the Josh version of a paraphrase, but that's pretty much what he says. He's like, if you guys can't handle it, then get married, but I'm letting you know it's going to be difficult, but if you get married, here's some principles to live by. And then he talks about widows and how they're supposed to, to, to act, and he then goes into this, uh, talking to them about uh, food that's been uh, sacrificed to idols and whether they should eat it or not, and then uh, idolatry, uh, worshiping idols, and hair length, 
He gets into how the spiritual gifts and how they're supposed to be operated and how the spiritual, how a church should operate and with all, with, with all these things going on. And, and here's what's important that you understand. When you study the Bible, context is vital. Okay, so he is responding to specific things that have been brought to his attention to those individuals. There are things in the Bible that are black and white, and you need to follow them. Thou shalt not murder, black and white. But there are other things, hair length, clothing styles, apparel, that are, he is addressing specifically to what is going on in Corinth. I have seen the book of 1 Corinthians manipulated in ways to tell women that they're not supposed to talk in church. It's context. I don't have enough time to go there. He's not telling people, that he's not actually saying all women should never talk in church ever. Not what he's saying at all, because if he is, he just went against everything that he did in the book of Acts when, he gets, when he's the one who takes Lydia and walks her into the, never mind. Keep going context it all works together the bible works together but here's what you need to understand there are aspects of the word of god that are black and white that you need to follow you hear the commandment you do the commandment the first 10 are pretty practical those are the ones you need to like black and white but there are also teachings in the bible that are principle based let me i'll give you a great example he has a relationship with first corinthian with the church in corinth so he's connecting with them and speaking to them directly it would be like me having a relationship with someone that I've known for years, who when I got to know them had an alcohol addiction problem. He had gone through the situation where he had lost his, uh, his, his job, his family. He'd gone through all, this, all these things that he had lost in the situation of being addicted to alcohol. We, ha we have a relationship. He comes to me after years of being in a relationship with me and says, hey, I've been sober for 12 years, and here's what I'm, I want to know. I got an opportunity to play guitar in a bar. Pays really good. Should I take the job? My advice to him would not be coming from the Word of God. It would be coming from me as a friend who has he's given me permission to speak into his life. And I would say to him, probably not. You're putting yourself in a bad situation, right? There are principles in the word of God that you need to make decisions for you. That is not the role of the pastor to give you those situations. Hey, families, parents, let me just speak to you for a second. Pray about it. Make a decision, okay? The type of music you listen to needs to be addressed. That's for you to decide, not for me to sit up here and go, Y'all need to be not listening to that country music because all it does is end up in divorce and you lose your dog. Okay? <laughs> now, I will say, there's a certain song out there right now has the initials WAP that should not be listened to in your home. It's porn in music form. If you want a WAP, it's worship and praise, Okay? Worship and praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, do not look it up. I I'm sparing you. <laughs> I, I have teenagers. I, I have to stay up on this, okay? Uh, <laughs> so th there are, but I, the whole, uh, so I need to, I just want, like, we're, we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of 1 Corinthians for, uh, for the, from chapter 5 through chapter 14. But when he gets to chapter 15, he gets into this topic and he, re he says, I want to remind you 
of the foundation. Now, I don't have this in your notes because I didn't have enough space to give you. I, I had to start giving you books if I give you all the scripture. But here, here's what it, what it says. So you can look at the screen. He says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, because you all family. I'm speaking to you because I'm in a relationship with you. And I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed it on to you, what was most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Here's what he just did. He just went, hey guys, Listen, you guys have all gotten off track. And because you've gotten off track, here's the issues that you've just faced. Let me remind you where to go back to. If you get lost, what do you do? You go back to where you knew where you were at. If you get disconnected and you find yourself in, in going through life and you're just like, wow, I don't know how I got myself here. I don't know what has happened. Let me just tell you, get back to Jesus. Get back to the foundation of the one who died for you. That's the gospel. That's the foundation. Start there and then move forward from there. But then he goes even further. He says, hey, listen, just to make sure you understand this, this isn't just my idea. There was, there was these people that saw this, up to 500 that saw him, and many of them are still living. What he just did for us, thank you, Paul, for this. Because some of you are going to go to school. Some of you are going to go on to college, and they're going to tell you this is a bunch of farce, and you don't need to listen to it. Paul just laid out for us that it wasn't just him, that he had eyewitnesses. And when he's writing to the church in Corinth, they could have followed up and said, hey, let's, know, let's go find those eyewitnesses. They're still living. So the fact that this, this Bible, this portion of Scripture is still with us is evidence that they said, yep, not only did he say it, but there's a whole bunch of eyewitnesses that agree with him. It's, it's good stuff. So then he says, then... He was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am, not, for I am the least of the, the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. Here, here's Paul just, just admitting, hey, I got some flaws in my past. Not even just like minor flaws. I got some serious issues in my past. But Jesus Christ redeemed me, gave me mercy. So if I have mercy... You probably qualify. It says, so, uh, that, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it is not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So he's laying it out. He's given all this last points. He's saying, it's Jesus Christ that the foundation is. Don't lose that. And then you jump down to verse 42, same chapter. Here's where he begins to walk with them. He says, on earthly bodies are planted, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. But they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They have been buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried in the natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a, is a life-giving 
spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ was the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like, earth, like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They are dying bodies and cannot inherit that what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scriptures will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For, the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord will, is ever useless. Whoo, Paul just did some preaching up in here. Here's what he just said. Hey guys, you think... You already have it, everything you need. You think you have your riches. You think you're kings on earth. You're focusing on the wrong thing. This is going to go away. This is what you need to be focused on. See, I can get so focused on this, and I can get so enthralled with what's happening here that I lose my focus on this. And he says, we are so dedicated to Jesus that this doesn't even matter. I'm willing to be put in the, in the parade, going to be sacrificed in the, in the theater. I'm willing to let all this be sacrificed. It doesn't matter because I know what really matters is here. I've got to have the right focus. I've got to have the right focus. Some of you know I was a, an amazing athlete in my, in my youth just ridiculously amazing. <laughs> I had insp aspirations like every other kid. I was going to, I was for sure, my 145 pound frame was going to go like NFL for sure. I mean, without a doubt, I was the next Odell Beckham. It was for sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, yeah. I played football. We got some, some of my alum are in the room with me. We were terrible. My senior year, we won two games. My junior year, I, I think two, three, I don't know. What, you remember? That was your senior year, two games mm. out, out of ten. It wasn't pretty. But it was my junior year. I was returning punts with C. Grant against uh, Jackson. Jackson Polar Bears, who our former high, head coach was now playing against, so this was the game we needed to win. 
And I was returning punts. And uh, the reason I was back returning punts is because on the other side was C. Grant. C. Grant was a phenomenal athlete. He had aspirations to play in the NFL, and he played in the NFL. They put me on the other side so that they'd have to kick to somebody. So guess who they kicked to? Me. <laughs> They're not going to kick to him. But against Jackson, punt comes. I get it. And I have one of the most ridiculous returns of all time ever recorded in history. <laughs> and I returned a punt for a touchdown. I'll never forget it. It was glorious. I mean, I was juking. I was jiving. It was amazing. No, they all went to the other side of the field, and I had a clear shot. And I ran with everything I had within me. And I got to the end zone. And I, I was on also a, 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 a blocker for the extra point. And I'll never forget it. I got to the end zone. And I'm now in, punt for, uh, in field goal formation. I'm the very end guy. And I'm so tired and so worn out that I throw, <laughs> throw up. <laughs> I didn't have to block the guy because he <laughs> didn't. It was glorious. It was wonderful. <laughs> Pinnacle of my career. But here, here's what I, I want to ask you. If I had gotten that punt, and at one moment decided, you know, as I'm going down the field, and everybody's on the sideline going, and the che crowd is cheering, and the roar, roar, roaring, and if I was like, hey, coach, how you doing? What, do you, am I doing this right? Do you, think I, do you think I'm doing everything good? Or if I went over and there's like, a cheerleader's going, go, Josh, go, yay. And I was like, hey, girl, what's you doing after the game? What would you, like, would that be wise? No. I didn't even hear them. I didn't see them because I was focused on one thing, the end zone. This is the focus that we need in our lives is going, hey, guys, this is, this is beautiful that God has given us, th us this moment because what we do here, as Paul said, is to glorify him. I I'm willing to put myself in the parade knowing that my life is gonna be completely sacrificed because abnormal focus equals abnormal sacrifice. I'm so focused on what I have and what God has given me that, I don't, uh, that I'm willing to sacrifice this I'm so focused on what he has let me do and what I'm able to do for his glory that I'm willing to sacrifice these moments. I'm willing to sacrifice my income. I'm willing to sacrifice my, my, my status. See, when you have abnormal sacrifice, it is service over status. Paul wrote this way in Philippians chapter 2. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. I'm so willing to sacrifice this for the sake of others. This abnormal focus produces abnormal sacrifice, and abnormal sacrifice puts my character above comfort. My, my character is what glorifies God. My, my reputation of being, it's not about me. I'm willing, I'm willing to give this up for the fact that I, I need to give others what I have. An abnormal sacrifice puts we over me. See, I, I'm willing 
to take this 80 years, 100 years, whatever it is, and realize that, just as Paul realized, that all of this gets buried. But all of that is what matters. This is why I wanted to do baptism. Because there's no better way of representing your old man being buried, your new man rising out, than baptism. Jesus gave us this symbol, this opportunity to say, hey, I want you to understand that your old man is getting buried. Your old man is rising forth. I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom. And and, in just a moment, we're going to respond as we sing a song, and we're going to have an opportunity as we do that. If you're ready to take that step, you didn't come ready. I know you didn't. That's okay. This is the opportunity that you have right now. Walk out there. Our host team is out there. They'll walk you through every step of the way. They'll give you all prepared, and we're going to meet you in the lobby, and we're going to take the step of baptism. We're going to celebrate together. Some of you, though, you need to go back to that moment of, hey, guys, let me remind you. You've gotten off course. You've gotten distracted. There's things happening in your life that are just, you know, they're not right. Let me remind you, get back to Jesus. Get back. Repent. Get back to him. Take that step. I want want to pray that prayer right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed, this is an opportunity for saying the the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ is available to me right now in this moment that I'm going to get back to where he wants me to be. Lord Jesus, it is by your death, your burial, and your resurrection that we have the opportunity to walk into your kingdom, to receive your salvation. Today, I repent. I make you the king of my life. You are my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to follow after you. I receive the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name.